Maximus episode 35. I am Tom McNally. I am Stuart Webb. And I'm Marion Hilditch. Today we're going to do our usual thing that we do on this podcast, which is look at uh, a Transformers comic. And it should come to no surprise to most that we're looking at an issue of Lost Light. But maybe it's a bit more surprising that we bang up to date and we're going to look at the latest issue of Lost Light. Lost Light issue 18. Uh, which is quite an exciting one, and it, it merits a whole episode to itself. A lot goes on, some uh, some issues are cleared up, and, you know, very pleasingly, questions are answered, which leads to further questions. So we've got lots of questions. Uh, we've, got, we've got a lot of speculation now. Our minds have gone wild, and, uh, and you deserve to hear it. You deserve to hear our wild speculations, listener. So um, make yourself a cup of tea. Sit we'll down. wait for you. Yeah, and uh, and let's roll, Marion. Yeah. How was Lost Light issue eighteen? Can you can you run us through your experience? My experience. Well, should we talk about who it's been created by? It is oh, yeah. written by James Roberts, as always. Art by Jack Lawrence. Colors by Joanna La Fuente. Letters by the excellent Zombie Long. And edited by David Marriott. And in this issue of Lost Light, we get many, many answers about a lot of things that we've speculated for, both in the past couple of issues and before. Don't know if they were the answers we were expecting. We've got some very happy meetups that we've definitely been looking forward to for a very long time. And then we've got some surprises at the very end that we may or may not have anticipated. Yeah, um, we're, uh, we've been we've been ruminating on these comics for a long time, and I'm pretty sure that we were blindsided by most of the big stuff. Stuart, well, is any uh, of it a surprise to you? I, I think. Uh... Some of it was. I think we actually got a, a fair bit right. Uh, I think most of what's in here is fairly logical and sensible. I suppose uh, the, the shame is that uh, one area we were wrong on almost immediately, or at least, at least I was wrong on, Marion actually got this right last episode, is uh, the ab- previous absence of uh, Chrome Dome, Rewind and Rung. Well, I said, oh, that's going to mean something to have all sorts of crazy stuff going on there. And then it turns out they were just there all along, just not a battle. <laughs> just had not been drawn. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't blame you for that one because when you also see Nightbeat picking up the crystals, it's a bit unclear if those crystals are coming out the Matrix or Rung has been dropping them behind him or what's going on there. So I think I've just um, I've gotten used to now the new collaborative style between well yes they knew we're at issue 18 uh between jack lawrence and james roberts and there isn't much in way of visual storytelling i think as there was uh when alex milne was drawing the book which is not always a bad thing because um as we've discovered recently 
in the end of Modern Mitsui, in the Dying of the Light arc, uh, where we have the scene where Skids uh, says goodbye to Rung. I say he says goodbye. He doesn't actually say goodbye. He just says, I've got to go now. Um, and we speculated on whether he was upset by, you know, the fact that Notka kind of turned him down. Um, and it turns out that James said, well, he decided not to go down, pursue that kind of theme. Uh, so it was a bit of a leftover from a, a previous kind of like line of thinking that maybe Skids would have been disappointed by sort of Notka rejecting him. Uh, but it was visually on the page, even though it would not have been on the script, I guess, uh, which kind of let us speculate quite some time as to what was going on there. I suppose there's no harm in doing that. But yeah, I think for me, this is like a very big distinction between how Milne contributed to the book versus how Lawrence contributes to the book. Um, how so? Well, because it's comic books and visual storytelling is equally important. And especially when it comes to things like what's on the background of the page, you know, people's expressions, reactions that might not be on the forefront and things like that. Uh, but we know that James Roberts can be very descriptive in his scripts. So he will say, uh, you know, meanwhile, X so-and-so in the background is looking a bit bemused or, you know, or make sure uh, so-and-so are on the page. Don't put anybody on the page that I haven't specified, you know, things like that. Uh, so we know he mm. can be very, very descriptive. But I think if we were looking at a book which was not quite as um, detailed in the scripting, I don't know how well... Uh, Chuck Lawrence would be faring here in terms of adding on to the story through the visual. Hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, because obviously the comic is supposed to be, but how long it'll actually manage to do so uh, is a bit of a mystery at the moment. But it's supposed to be going bi-weekly uh, fairly soon, I think. Uh, so uh, the production schedule has probably gone up a few notches. It wouldn't surprise me if they're doing it hand-to-mouth to a certain extent, so maybe... Lawrence only had the last issue script when he drew the last issue and played it safe by not putting characters who weren't in the script in there. And he was just having to do it very quickly as well. That's the case as anything actually important about that next issue. And maybe Jamie's scripts are as detailed as well at the moment because he's having to write them very quickly to match that new uh, production increase as well. Hmm. It's also, I think it exposes a bit of a weakness on Roberts's part because, you know, he doesn't like to improvise. And if something's now appearing on the page that he didn't specify or not appearing on the page, he, he has no real problem saying that that's down to the artist rather than that's actually, that's what's on the page. Now we've got to address that. And now we've got to, to work with that. Skids was really bummed out. I actually need to, that either either that can live in your mind and that's fine. Or maybe I do actually have to reverse something that I wanted to do. To be, f- to, to be fair. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I think we're probably about to say the same thing in that it was Milne who actually volunteered the information in this instance. It wasn't really James who said, oh, no, Alex put it on the page when he shouldn't have done or, you know. Hmm. So I'm, um, I, I was gonna, sorry, sorry, I was going to say that, uh, I mean, to, to be fair, Mill has had the last word anyway, because Skids isn't likely to pop up again to go, actually, what I was really thinking about Nautica at that point was, because he's dead and he's not, never really coming back. Well, 
we'll never know except what he was uh what we how we interpret that face of that panel yes i think it i think as it is it works well with the ambiguity and that kind of moment does actually does stand out um as a good one and yeah you're right it doesn't actually have much consequence on it but um yeah if there's anything to take from from that and this as well like chrome dome and and rewind aren't there rungs not there there's crystals appearing actually maybe that's more interesting i mean i i it's probably impossible with the lead times um and uh i'm sure there's 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 more dominoes going down the way or dominoes more demoral dominoes all the way down um I guess I'm going to be prescriptive here and say that you know best practice would be to take what's on the page as gospel rather than what you've got planned in in future scripts to be gospel. It's not a mistake if it's come out if it's there now it's 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 the you know you can't go uh making extra versions of things. I suppose in Unless you're Chrome Dome and Rewind, in which case you could create an extra Rewind to dump on Chrome Dome. So <laughs> but Rewind is sick with Dominus Humbus. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a duplicate. You can have that. I'm going to have my little wolf man. But anyway, Chrome Dome and uh, Rung and Rewind, they're there now. And everyone's at the Matrix. And it's concerning Whirl. Uh, I do like Swerve's... Uh, a bit with Swerve, where he's... Uh, uh, Velocity say to you about how much more sincere he is and heartfelt in, in this moment. Because I think uh, Swerve is one of a couple of characters who is going to be well and truly uh, fucked up by the events <laughs> of his issue, psychologically. <laughs> which I think you see near the end as well. He's got, got his head in his hands oh, uh, yeah. at the end. So uh, him and uh, Drift uh, are going to come out of this in a very bad place, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it seems um, it's a really nice moment, but it seems very, very cruel uh, to like, hey, Swerve, you know, everybody likes you, like you're you're worthy of being liked because you're being sincere and you've got something to be sincere about. Um, and uh, now he's just going to rip it all away from you. Aww. It's kind of everything he ever wanted. Is it? Is it that? Uh, are you referring to the panel where Cyclonus is at the front? Because I think that's more like he seems to be sad to be losing Telgate rather than... Hmm. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he's reacting to, to Cyclonus hugging him. Seems to disappear, and then... Yeah, it's uh, the panel in the need for one where uh, Cyclonus is hugging Telgate, where uh, he's got his head in his hands and uh, rung and uh, veloc- uh, Velocity is supporting him. He looks utterly uh, completely broken there. Oh, yeah. I see it now. He looks worse than the time he blew his own face off. Oh. Because uh, the, the thing after the establishment of everybody being under the Matrix is uh, a follow-up to something that confused me last issue, Tom, but you you pretty much got it that it was the Amiga Guardians. Uh, you recognise their, their distinctive <laughs> red eyes. And I, I must admit, I had to go back and... and uh, it sounds like we'd be quite harsh on the art to start with, but I had to go back and look at the end of that issue and realise I completely misunderstood what was happening there. I took it that there were red lights rushing towards them uh, from in front of them because they were reacting as if something was in front of them 
have her motion lines on the page as if the red lights were rushing towards them. But of course, what it was, it was that the Guardians were just standing behind them and their lights were coming on in the dark. And I completely misread that, possibly because I'm an idiot. So well, I, was, I, I was coming into this in a state of moral confusion before well, I worked I think, that out. I, I think you're correct. I mean, first of all, I don't think we're... we're supposed, I mean, I only knew that the uh, Omega Guardian rock people were coming because of Milne's cover for this issue. Um, so okay, I knew get, that keep your credits for, for your eye identification, Thomas. So, but yeah, but no, I th- yeah, I think in that panel in the last issue, it's supposed to show that they're surrounded by these red lights. So they are in front of them because they're they're facing us as in the picture plane, and you know they're they're preparing for a fight. But we but then we also see behind them. Kind of, I think it's supposed to imply that they're surrounded completely by these things. So you did read it, you know. They are. No, you've confused me again there because I'm not sure how they would have. Yeah, uh, uh, that's not important anyway. I'm just... <laughs> I really like Very the colours in that room. I think the the green light is meant to be like uh, throwing a like a specific kind of tint on things, and I like it. It's all a bit like greeny, mm. browny, kind of. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it makes uh, ratchets reds into oranges, mm. and it makes kind of um, Rodimus's purples and almost pinks. Yeah, it's like more desaturated, I guess. Yeah. And that's all. And yeah, so the light source is coming quite definitively from the middle of the room. Mm. Right? And uh, Ultra Magnus comes back. He he wasn't just uh, under the fall of that uh, Matrix Zappy Beam thing as he seemed last issue when he went off. He's made a stir of stuff for Brainstorm. He's done a swoop. No, that one, that one didn't land. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to acknowledge Maxwell Dynamots. Uh, not at Miss Lake stage. But these guys are still going on. About, well, okay, we haven't had the reveal yet, so maybe let's get back to this. But these guys are still going on about prepare, confront, repel. Mm. And what was it? When does when does uh, when does chanting become a summons? Mm. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff which isn't quite adding up here. We oh, so we we're told that these guys they're not they were called the Amiga Guardians back in spot like Hot Rod mm-hmm. back in 2006 was it? And um, but we've been we've got little kind of pieces that the Omega Guardians are this kind of ascended race that like sublimed um, in sort of Ian M. Banks terms. And they're now occupying the higher dimensions, but they've had some kind of contact. They either built the Magnificence or hosted the Magnificence. And that these Rock Guardians are now throwbacks. Um, But the Omega Guardians have also... um, uh, They've got also something to do with the spiritual ley line. And that they may be the old guard that Agonizer seems to be the old order. obsessed with. The old or order, on yeah. Losers, whatever that means. They're on, yeah. Maybe the Amiga Guardians do feel like a kind of slightly awkward, let's bring it full circle back to Hot Rod's first appearance kind of thing, because they, they really were just big lumps of punchy stuff. 
in that story, and it feels like there's a bit of record in here just to have that that link back to how it all began. Well, I don't think it's that awkward. I mean, they were guarding the Magnificence, mm. which has now become a major plot point. Well, which it turns out they, they invented and they built a medical clinic as well, and they've done all this other stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just the other thing. Standing yeah, they guardy built... things. That's a, a bit awkward to me. Mm, I don't know. The fact that, that Agonizer has been kind of talking about them in this Russell T. Davis way, where we think he's talking about one thing, but actually he's talking about another thing that's linked to all these other stuff. And the implication that the Grand Architect is an Omega Guardian here with the Prepare, Confront, Repel. Um, yeah, this has been potting for 18 issues now. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm buying into it. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think the, the, the Spotlight Hot Rod connection is um, gravy. I don't think it's the... It's not the main meal. Hmm. I don't like gravy, though. Uh, we have finally, finally, the scavengers meet the crew. Hey, hey. Ooh. Yeah, but this is my f- favourite part of the issue, this fair interaction between them and uh, Nautica. Even though, to go back to something we talked about uh, previously, the end of Sardines, that exterior shot of Garrus 9, Turns out to be a massive, massive cheat that breaks Ooh. all the rules of like, this kind of uh, sci-fi story, where it's particularly in Star Trek. I mean, we talked, to, uh, talked last episode about the episodes where it turns out we've a holodeck all along. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the rules of those episodes is that Star Trek likes to cut to its exterior shots of a ship for scene transitions, but when they're on the holodeck, without realizing it, you don't cut away to exterior shots or anything that the characters who are real are not there to see, because obviously mm. the, the illusion isn't creating it. And if they're only seeing Garrus 9 through the, the, the perception filter, or whatever it's typically called, then aim that exterior shot, there's nobody there to see it, it shouldn't look like Garrus 9. I, I feel cheated. Uh, and I shake my fist in mildly <laughs> irated fury. It is, it is a real cheat, yeah. Um... The only concession is that when Trail Cutter shows Rodimus the hologram of Cybertopia, it's kind of implied that the whole planet is changed shape um, for the benefit of the audience. Mm. No, not the audience, of, of, of the crew. So no, That's not how it works later with here, though. It's just... Uh... Well, no, well, from the perspective of, of the scavengers, from everybody in that room, the whole planet is Garrus 9. Or whatever planet Garrus 9 is on. Garrus 9 is the facility, right? It's on a planet, which is called something else. Um, the whole planet is that penal colony. But, but the planet doesn't actually change, though. It's just how it looks to them. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how yeah, it looks so to them. But then it's one, a cheat. It is a cheat, but there's, there's, there's precedent of the cheating. Hmm. So going back to the last time we saw the scavengers, and we discussed this at length, uh, yeah. the Magnificence... That's not actually, they never finish asking the Magnificence for where to take them to. And we said, well, they say it on the previous page, blah, blah, blah. But basically, they never actually finish asking for directions. The Magnificent just spits it out. Mm. So it would appear that the Magnificence has just led them to where they are for some reason. Yes. And we talked about this before, but it seems that the Magnificence is doing a 
uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy version two, where it's either it's got its own agenda or it's working for someone else and using its powers. Um, yeah, selective mm. truths and uh, little white lies in order to yeah bring about that goal. Hmm. In Hitchhiker's Guide, it got all the char- all these characters were all separated. They got they got it all to one place, so they could all be killed. Before we move on to more plot, um, Nautica's gun. Oh. I I I was not. I was. I I'm still not a hundred percent sure that there's a gun there, <laughs> just because that would have been so funny. Uh, because it reminded me of that um the scene back in oh i don't remember now which issue it is where she says stand back buster i've got a wrench oh yes (laughs) which was a brainstorm wrench it was a brainstorm wrench but i don't think it was intent well who knows right maybe it is a cigarette weapon as well uh, but this was uh this was quite excellent and if it really is a real gun i think that would be quite funny yeah, I'm totally convinced it is a real gun. I think the amount of time that's being given to establish this, to establish that the scavengers know Brainstorm. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in this issue, and maybe the the, the description of Cyberutopia could have made it, could have used a, a, maybe a, a couple more panels. But yeah, we've got half a page here about the handgun bluff. It's funny, it works on its own, but yeah, I definitely think it's it's. Separate. I suppose before we before we move on properly, I, I should mention because we talked about the well, I talked about the door in the cell a lot on previous episodes. <laughs> so it's nice that uh, from the scavenger's point of view, it is the door from Last Stand of Wreckers. Uh, faithfully, Reed Water. I guess one of them was been in Garrus Nine at some points because otherwise there'd be absolutely no point in making it look like the actual Garrus Nine. It must be their uh, their memories. This is oh. an interesting point because obviously the planet, the center, the, the Talibats, whatever, must be reading your mind to create things. But they have been shown to, as we find out later, create things that are not straight out of your memory. They are what it, what the planet things you expect to see. Um, so I guess maybe. I don't know. They knew of what Garvestine looked like, or yeah, maybe they have been there. It's interesting they added that uh, Kill or Cons graffiti that wasn't in the, the real cell. Mm. Oh, well, which, yeah. We just, really, just to provide visual continuity. We really established, yeah. I mean, we couldn't see it anywhere. It was in the original cell, I mean, but it definitely established the continuity within here. Uh, within Lost Light. Mm. I, I I love the fact that they're both staring at the same things and I'm going, but that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. But I love the fact that there is never any point in the entertaining of Nautica, I don't think, you know, you're quite sane. Like, they just take her word for what she's seeing. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's yeah, very croc, lo- croc, croc like... gets that right mm. away. It's very like... Uh... That bit in the fourth Sapphire and Steel adventure, the one everybody remembers with a guy without a face, uh, where Sapphire and Steel are looking at him and they see two different people, uh, depending on which of what they have to go. Who, what, who do you see? Well, I see a young man, or I, I'm seeing an old man, and he's just, uh, they, they have different perceptions to each, each person sees a different person. 
uh, they have to discuss it to work out what what's actually there. It's reminded me of that. Uh, it reminded me of a bit in it reminded me of a bit in um, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, where Squirrel Girl is hanging out with Galactus, uh, devourer of worlds, with her squirrel friend, and she says, "Oh, you know, I've always wanted to test the theory that Galactus looks um, different depending on who's looking at him," and so she uh, she flings a squirrel up in the air. So the squirrel can get a good look at Galactus. And the squirrel comes down and she says, okay, so uh, what did you see? She's like, oh, you know, the same as you, just a big guy with uh, purple horns uh, and, a, and a suit on. And But then at the moment where, we, where the squirrel's up there, we see that Galactus is this big squirrel. <laughs> but yeah, a big guy is, <laughs> is what he is. Um, they name drop Tyrest. Ah. Uh, which uh, clearly means we're going to be seeing him soon, I think. It's been a while since anyone mentioned the Transformers progenitor, Primus. <laughs> they, they also uh, very nearly mis exactly quote a catchphrase from Babylon 5, which did get me briefly excited, but apparently it's an older uh, Chinese proverb, which uh, with, uh, yeah, with, uh, there's three sides of a truth uh, thing, which you... That show is a Vorlon proverb. So I was disappointed to find out it was actually Chinese when researching the issue. Aww. <laughs> um, though I don't know, the way that uh, things get misappropriated, I wouldn't be surprised if it did originate in Babylon 5 and people have just been quoting the Vorlon as the Chinese because it sounds sort of wise. <laughs> I mean, it does. Well, that's... Uh... I mean, next you were saying revenge is a dish best served cold. Is it an old Klingon proverb, Tom? <laughs> okay, so these guys are downstairs. They solve the... Well, they don't solve anything. Well, they do kind of solve the mystery by destroying the illusion. And they find a door which says M10. Um, meanwhile, upstairs, the others are still fighting the Omega Guardians who seem to go down a bit too easy, almost. Mm. And uh, Ratchet... Just wants to get to the bottom of the truth, really. He figures out that the thing in the middle of the room is probably very important and wants to destroy it. Uh, Drift has a moment, uh, says, I'm not too sure. I don't want to know what happens when you do this, taking us all the way back to the annual again. And the reading of the Titan's mind where Drift has a moment where he doesn't want to know what the actual truth of that thing is. Uh, but in this particular instance, he seems to just be particularly concerned with uh, Ratchet's well-being. So if this is the thing that's keeping him alive and he brings it down, what's going to happen then? Uh, Will has mm. a lovely moment. Yes, Will's moment here, really. Um, yeah, you know, I... Uh... I feel that I have I have an idea that World's sort of character was kind of played out quite a while ago, um, and a bit like Cyclonus, it felt like maybe his end earlier would have would have been more interesting. But I think I've been wrong on that. Like Cyclonus had more to do, had more to contribute uh, with this arc. And world too. The fact I feel that like a lot of a lot of world's presence in the story has been kind of building up to him being 
here, him being the guy who there is nobody for, and him being the guy who can, um, uh, yeah, point out, okay, get get um, without being, you know, he's not like an atheist. He's not got like a, a logic. He's not. Uh, he doesn't. He's not coming from this denial from a logic point of view. He's coming at it just from a, um, well, from a, like a, yeah, completely different point of view. But um. Yeah, I, I feel that like this 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 fulcrum here, this dramatic fulcrum in order to to the final push over the illusion, um, really justifies a lot of what we've been told about Whirl. In fact, it's interesting as well that it's uh, it's Whirl as a focus is being more going hang on a second, but it looks like uh, this thing isn't getting to wrong either because he looks incredibly upset about Nightbeat's death and nothing's coming to him. He could have the ghost of Nightbeat pop up and go, hey, it's okay, mate. You could come come as well, but it's, it's not doing anything to uh, to get wrong on side either. Oh, yeah. That's actually a big clue. I don't know what that is. So, hmm. I guess we've got another candidate for what wrong is. He's not Unicron. He's not the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just very sad. He, well, he could be an Omega Guardian. Well, we know that whatever he is has something to do with his alt mode because that's what Nightbit implies. And yes. it has something to do with the crystals, even though it's not just the fact that he produces crystals. It's something potentially to do with crystals and his alt mode. Mm, okay. Yeah, there's a there's a, an, another function there that we haven't quite been told. I was wondering about this. I didn't look it up, actually. But you know the bit where um, Rodman says to Will, forgive me, but the last time we spoke on the phone, I was asking you to let the hostages go. <laughs> I couldn't remember if there was a reference to something or if it was just like a funny line. I think that's, uh, that's an off-screen adventure. But, uh, well, we need an annual or something. Yeah, to show. Like, I, I can remember a lot of hostile situations when Will was involved. <laughs> I can't remember anywhere he specifically held hostages. Did he, uh, he held, didn't he did he hold he... ring? Wrong? Ring? Wrong? Ring? No, no, that was, was for Oh, yeah. yeah that, Will was one of those. Don't blame Will. And then he was holding uh, Megatron's Spark hostage and Megatron himself in uh, Elegant Chaos, I guess, because mm-hmm. he locked them both in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is the scene where he, I guess that's not really a hostage situation either um, the scene where he kills the ambassadors of that other race which turned out to be the equivalent of the Autobots in that other war that had been raging for millennia um, <laughs> and there's the hostages that were on that other planet that the Decepticons were using to draw energon from Oh, the pink alchemy. On the walls, those guys who were nailed to the walls. The bit with the bomb. Mm. And, uh, yeah, but I don't think Will has ever actually held anyone hostage. But it is the kind of thing he would do. I think we, we're all on board with that. Yeah. This one, it might be a perfectly innocent explanation, though. <laughs> so, big reveal, right? Uh, we're at Maderi, the main Maderi, the, the original Maderi, and it turns out it's a euthanasia clinic. And yeah. it turns out it's created the world that the strongest will willed among them wanted to see. Uh, we had hints to this, and we picked up on them, but we didn't know what they meant because we said that this looks like the Afterspark according to Cyclonus. Mm. But yeah, it's kind of. Yes, it's all here. Because... He's. Uh... 
Yeah, because cause, cause of Swerve. Swerve's the, the baffler there. But uh, he, Cyclonus, not only is his will strong enough to power everybody, overpower everyone else's will, so they all have to share his fantasy, but his fantasy isn't that Tailgate is just alive, and that would make him happy. It's that they're all dead with Tailgate, he said. <laughs> just... Yeah, he just wanted to die to go see Tailgate. After... Because um, in Transformers world, nobody ever comes back from the dead. Why would he even think that? No, let's all just die. <laughs> Uh, oh, and actually, uh, look, the Madiri Clinic uh, logo uh, is an M. Big, big M. Yeah. The Magnificence loves its M branding all the way back to uh, the machination. And uh, I don't know if the Magnificence wasn't involved with them, was it? It's just. Uh, well, it's, but yeah, it's now. Till, well, Scorponok got his hands on it in the end. So, whereas if we go for Tom's retroactive messing about reality analogy, <laughs> maybe Hip created the machination logo, but. It's, a, it's, it's another full circle thing. It's all the way back to uh, something involved with Hot Rod when he was started out at IDW Big M's. Yes, on, on business cards in rooms filling with gas. Um, yeah, that, that definitely... When Nautica was like, oh, I know what that means. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. how could Nautica know what the machination is? Huh? <laughs> then Ratchet's like, ah, yes, okay. No, let's forget about Nautica. Ratchet knows what the... He, you know, he, he was around. But of course, yeah. Blasty um, uh, went to school at the Madiri Clinic, right? No, not, not this one, no. though. Just a, a Madiri Clinic. It's a, it's a franchise like Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice of these uh, sublimed ancients to set up a lot of free clinics, which uh, I guess can also heal a lot of Transformer problems. I think this give... is uh, I think this is the first time we've heard of Transformers being contaminated by organic life forms, right? Yeah, which I love. In this universe, I love that idea. I like that it actually justifies the organic phobia. Mm. Yeah, um, and especially this idea that, like, oh, the first people who went out into space, they came back with strange diseases. That, like, <laughs> yeah. that can that can mess a society up. Yeah, it's, that's happened. That's that's a real life thing, you know. Um, but yeah, just the implication that. Um, that uh you know maybe harmless bacteria that live on organics uh can like get in their joints and like mess with their wiring and infiltrate their spark and things like that i really like that idea i like the idea that they're bringing this novel environment to other worlds that can be exploited and organic life you know being so rapid and and evolving so quickly from their perspective you know if you live a million years that's uh that is trillions of generations to a bacteria. That must be terrifying. It must be like something, like meeting something that uh, by the time you know, if you speak to it, it's now like a new civilization by the time you finish your sentence. And it's now, it's like that episode of The Simpsons where the Treehouse of Horror, where Bart, where Lisa takes a tooth and it, a whole civilization builds around it and every night <laughs> she goes to bed and they've like advanced thousands of years in their society oh, that sounds like uh the first episode of uh, the revived out of limits where the uh, the guy has uh a bit of rock with martian ants on it uh, they build up an entire civilization and uh little microculture in just uh, a few weeks <laughs> 
but ends up worshipping the guy, you're building giant replicas of okay. him out of sand. That is very similar to the Simpsons episode. <laughs> so that's, that's a one good episode of a revived out of limits. It seemed like it was going to be such a good show. but uh... <laughs> So help me work through this, guys. So Rodimus has the bright idea <clears throat> to plot a course from Cybertron to Madeira where they are. And mm-hmm. that ends up looking like uh, the map to Cyber Utopia. Mm-hmm. So we find that, or he he surmises, uh, the knights have arrived on this moon. They don't know what it is. They think it's Cyber Utopia. They send the Matrix back. The Matrix somehow arrives back on Cybertron. Uh, mm-hmm. just suddenly reappears even though it's been taken away by the knights nobody questions this in any way whatsoever uh, they just mm-hmm. oh, presumably the, the knights who left oh, what oh, so, right, somebody left the Madiri clinic with the Matrix to take it back and presumably they died as soon as they got back to Cyberpunk <laughs> well, no I thought the implication <laughs> that here uh, we kind of see him it's that it's Metroplex is that well, it's a Titan, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, Metroplex. that wasn't clear. But you know why it could be Metroplex. Metroplex knows the knights. Metroplex knows what happened to the knights. Metroplex, uh, hang, you know, is on good terms with the Matrix. Hmm. Metroplex is a bit of but a dick, it's... though, right? If he hasn't said anything all this time. But he did. He so way back was this in Dark Cybertron. He said that they. He said um, to is it to Windblade or to Nautica? I asked him about the knights. Mm. And he said, you don't deserve to know. Yeah, but I know, but still, that makes him a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say, <laughs> unless it's, it's probably just eight Titan, it's, it's, it's Jeff Plex rather than Metroplex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm totally willing for it to be um, some other guy. But at least we, you know, that that's one plausible explanation of how the Matrix okay. took it back. Or, or they posted it back. They could have just posted it or put it in his face. <laughs> yeah, can't work out. It, it doesn't look like the hallucinations would make you want to leave under any circumstances. Because well, you're so happy. Is this this? So did Metroplex, if it is Metroplex, did he leave uh, thinking that that was Cyber Utopia? Hmm. Or did he know, did he later get a telegram? Um, As you, when they, they put the map out, did they ever do that in reverse? Uh, where they had the map, put it on a star chart, and then work out where it was they were going? Because they, they never seem to think they know specifically where they were heading towards. Could they, could they have found out they were heading towards the Madeira Clinic much longer ago by just getting the space map out? Oh, no, they're shown the holding the Matrix when they land. Oh, no, I meant... Uh, Cockrod could have when he uh, first started on the quest and he had the map. Right. He could have uh, put it over a star chart and found oh, out I see what where. You mean. I don't think. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Wasn't there something about the map being. You could memorize it? Something about, yeah, the copy protection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so then it was coming back to him and Thunderclash through those visions slowly till they ended up actually. He ended up scribbling it on the desk that now only. Um, um, what's his face has getaway. Mm. Um, which, yeah. which again, uh, why why would the knights have done that? Hmm. 
Yeah, because it doesn't seem to be a warning. It seems to be a... They, they, they want other people to yeah. go there, don't they? So, yeah, why, why would they make a bit of a song and dance mystery about it? You have it? to be worthy. Maybe these things are going to get revealed <laughs> as we go along. But, I mean, I, I like the, the general uh, reveal of what Cyber Utopia is. It feels very new Battlestar Galactica to me, that, uh, that series when it explained everything that had happened. There's a good, solid rationalisation for everything about... Uh, the final five and where they went to and uh, all that Cylon plan and that, it's all very meticulously explained carefully before they introduce some more, leaving just sort of vague at the end. Um, and it, it feels very well thought out up to a certain point. So then, then you start going, well, why did the Knights actually do this? <laughs> then it starts... Uh, flapping about a bit. Well, yeah, I, I, I have confidence that there's more on this. Ten million years, yeah? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Because didn't the Ark 1 leave six million years? Six, it is, because that's Telgate's age. Okay, yes. But, so, so... that would have been peak uh, Nova Prime era, but we know that we have history from before then. Mm. So did did it take did the night set out a much longer time beforehand than it they only found Cyber Utopia ten million mm. years ago? Potentially. Yeah, yeah. it could have been yeah, mucking about for a while. I think Shockwave when he went back in time to become Onyx Prime, I think he went back twelve million years. Mm. So that's the era of the primes. Okay. So the knights could have left. But then how did they get the Matrix? Huh. Did they have a Matrix for all that time? It's... Oh, yeah. Hmm. Did somebody post it to them? Or maybe they had to post it back? <laughs> well, the, 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 the Titans have a space bridge. So, yes, that could happen. <laughs> oh, well, of course, uh, there'd be a space bridge in uh, uh, the Titan, yeah. wouldn't there? So they could have just chucked it in that. Hmm. And we've had an establishment of having these little but, post boxes that they get. But don't tell anybody where it came from on the coordinates at the other end. Don't look at the, the dial to far, reverse the, the settings. <laughs> it's got to be at a challenge. At what point was the Matrix switched with a fake Matrix? Mm. Is that Nominus? No, Nominus died. Nominus died with the fake Matrix in him. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely mm. Nova left it behind, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he didn't take it for setting up the Dark Matrix story that we got in um, <laughs> in Regeneration Run One. I can't remember at that stage whether that was the actual Matrix or whether the actual Matrix was hiding under a mountain. Did, did uh... You, you're all more up to date on the Optimus Prime comic than I am, Tom. Uh, did uh, they ever explain how the Matrix got under that ma- mountain? No, yeah, that, that's from One That Meets the Eye. That's um, uh, Tyrest's. Tyrest hit it there. At what point? To, to, oh, Tyrest, you might be connected to all this. Yeah, Nova had the real Matrix. They bled the Matrix. Because that's when they the stored all the uh, sparks. Yeah. And then Tyrus did a switch at one point. Aha, okay. All right. So the original Matrix was around at the time. So they must have, yeah. Mm. They must have uh, shifted it back at some point. Pre-Nova times, for sure. Hmm. Hmm. 
No, I've got it wrong. Shockwave went back 8 million years. Oh, so he wouldn't have known about the Knights either then? No, yeah, it seems quite deliberate that Shockwave went back to the era of the Primes, not the era of the Knights. So I'm looking on the wiki now, it seems that 12 million years. Mm -hmm. 12 million years is um, Primus time. Okay. So we've got nice 2 million year increments. Okay. We've got Primus time, we've got Knights time, and then we've got Prime time. Okay. And then we've got Nova Prime time, and then we've got Optimus Prime time. So... Ten million, million years ago, prior to ten million years ago, the knights left to go look for Cyberutopia. Then ten million years ago, they found it, and somehow, and for some random reason, to invite everybody to come join them, they decided to do it in a cryptic crossword puzzle yep. way, and they sent the Matrix back somehow to Cybertron, and obviously Nova Prime or whoever was in charge at that point looked at the map and said, what the hell is this? I don't understand. Why isn't there a clear note with this? <laughs> Those damn stupid knights lets us believe the Matrix instead and never reference the fact it was missing for some time with the knights. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Metroplex, yeah, could have, could have, Metroplex, or Trypticon actually, Trypticon who's now a goodie. Um, yeah, I really could have cleared all this up. <laughs> yeah, you've you've lots of anger towards Metroplex today, Tom. I don't know what he ever did to well, you. Was, you know, I want to blame you for everything. Out. <laughs> he was hanging out with the knights. These knights, um, as we see them here, all seem to belong to the same clan. Yes. Maybe this is the big piece we're missing. Mm. So, so, well, yeah. What? What? Where does the magnificence come in? So the Magnificence is associated with a rival clan. We know that much mm. from Agonizer. Yeah. Now, yeah, if the Magnificence is a knight, which I think is because we've been told that is possible, mm. maybe isn't. Um, or the or the Magnificence enslaved that group of knights the same way the Grand Architect seems to have some association with uh, the the Gear Knights. Mm -hmm. Um. But then we're also told that what Skid saw was a converging of all the five clans on a single point. And I guess that's Cyberutopia. Hmm. Or where, whatever Skid saw on the other side of the portal. I mean, this is the thing. Skids couldn't have come to Madeira. No. Skids was what he saw. somewhere else for sure. Because, yeah, he didn't see what he wanted to see. He was just confused by what he saw. Unless there was a stronger will. Unless, yes. But the, oh, I guess it could have been Tyrest's will. Yeah, that might have been what Tyrest was. But yeah, we haven't seen, we, yeah, we haven't seen any of the, the symbolism. But we've not seen very much of what the real place looks like, though, outside. So maybe all these symbols and maps are just sort of, just out of shot. Like <laughs> uh, Chrome Dome and Rewind were last <laughs> oh. issue. <laughs> So we have the place where Skids went. We have the these particular nights um, insignia on Luna One. Mm -hmm. We have the Magnificence, which belongs to a different clan. We've got the Grand Architect, who also belongs to this clan, the Madiri clan. Mm -hmm. 
And what else do we have? And the Grand Architects, um, um, sort of uh, goons, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, we've got Agonizer, who has some agenda here. I'm just not sure what it is. Farmer, who's been sucked into the um, portal that Skids went into, and I am convinced is uh, responsible for both Ten's speech and the... Uh, Ratchet's disease, as we discussed last time, he has to be. Oh, uh, ten speech on on skip. Yeah, mm. I, I am Have convinced you, of this. Is it is it his? Is it his? I don't quite remember how farmer what his register is. As in, um, like, what's what are his speech patterns like? Oh, I see. Um, but there may be a clue there, maybe a phrase in common or something. Hmm. He's. He said he loves he a bit loves, of melodrama. Yeah, he's he's very much like big villain, but he's also very he's a prankster, right? He's a like a very cruel prankster. Though the fate of the universe depends on what we do next. Yeah, I just said that to get your attention because it, it's very much the we're gonna compete who can sew Ambulon back together. I never mm. I never said which way we were gonna cut him. Uh, hey, okay, yes, right, yeah, that is all. That's all evidence on the pile, isn't it? Hmm. Plus, he's the only thing missing from Drift's vision right now, I think. So the Sparky yeah, just now made their entrance, even though he didn't see them as the crew in the vision, but they look very much exactly like what his vision looked like. Um, Grimlock hasn't turned up yet, but you know he's not that far. Hmm. The writing everywhere um, is there. And they're on this other planet where the sky is red. And I think that's the last page. Let me see. Well, the sky isn't quite red, is it? It's kind of like a purplish blue. <laughs> Maybe it's just nighttime. Maybe it's quite nighttime. Is that perhaps some sort of uh, space warp they've come out of? Because they seem to have, nobody seems to see them coming. So have they just materialized? So that's why it's red behind them. Is that? Oh, hmm. Yeah, I took the red behind them just to be dawn. Hmm. And no, that's sort of just warpy things. The most obvious thing, Tom. Um, <laughs> the warpy things are just sort of the the quite nice texture that's been put on the sky for the holiday issue. They look like um, uh, streaks of ink. Um, I, mean, I, th I think there's where it gets confusing. I think there's two different things uh, battling the team in this issue in that uh, it's uh, there's a Madiri thing which has either been left on by accident or as a liberal protection thing and something and then there's what Terrestre and Farmer and whoever else uh, try to do to get at that uh, and then our boys of course in the middle Oh, do you know what? The Tyrest uh, Matrix connection might be relevant. Maybe Tyrest had had sight of the map. Oh. Yeah, Tyrest also had no problem with messing up uh, Titans, hmm. those dicks. <laughs> yeah, he had access to a lot of things, Tyrest. He had access to space bridges, he had access to dead Titans and living Titans. Hmm. So maybe he didn't even know what he was after, but he'd had that 
like maybe he'd had that vague memory of having seen the map, but again, couldn't retain it. So he wasn't quite sure what he was after. And mm. his brain was damaged. Mm. But it, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do, so do you think maybe... Hmm, maybe he was headed to Madiri, or maybe they've found some way of... I mean, it's possible that... So, okay, Farmer's here. Farmer has to be immune to Madiri somehow. Mm. Maybe Tyrese brain damage also makes him immune to Madiri. Hmm. And actually, Farmer came in without a head. That's probably quite helpful. I don't think they are immune. I think because the, the spark eaters don't show up till everything's mm. been turned mm. off. I think they've been having trouble getting onto the planet and that may have set it up so Rodimus and company would basically be four guys and arrange for them to be sent there and throw it at it and to try and bring the, the field down before they can move in. So I think that Farmer and Tyrex and Getaway, possibly, and the, they were in orbit or maybe on that planet with Red Sky uh, and all the symbols uh, waiting for the... Uh, Someone's an equivalent of Ratchet smashing that glass mm. tube. That's that's my uh, okay, my theory. Farmer is definitely on Madiri because he brought them there. They could have brought them there. He put them well, into he, orbit. So, so, okay, but, but the last time we so saw Farmer, he, he dragged through the portal to Cyber Utopia. We're now at Cyber Utopia. To and somewhere we find out the euthanasia clinic. Also, Farmer seems to be. Well, we we don't know where he got sucked into. That's the thing. No, but it's it's. Uh... Yeah, did, did we agree earlier that it wasn't? Yeah, I know. Yeah, side of Utopia or have you ever saw well, that portal? but I'm just trying. So if it was somewhere else, a farmer went through that portal dead, mm. you know, missing a head, mm. but then was he has been healed, mm -hmm. and we've seen other. You know, see that as soon as Madiri gets you there, it heals you. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have good reason to believe that Tyres had the map to Cyber Utopia. And probably had a good shot of knowing where it was. And we now know that what he had a map to was Madeira. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, situation one, they had a map that they, the portal went to real side Utopia. Farmer went there and then wound up at Madeira. Mm -hmm. We don't know how. Tyrest, yeah, he, he teleported away. He could literally be anywhere. That's fine. Um, but if there's. I mean, yeah, yeah. And you, 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 there's a there might be more to it than just cruelty. If he s was able to detect Ratchet coming nearby, he was able to zap him with whatever he zapped him with, and then take over Ten through a back door, which Tyrest would have had on his legislators, steer them towards Madiri. Did he steer them there to just murder them? Did he steer them there to yeah disarm Madiri somehow? Which means that Farmer was trapped on Madiri. And needed a way to escape. So how? No, I, I think he he's not on Madiri. He wants to get okay, there but... without getting caught in the field. Right. Okay. But just, so all I'm doing is applying Occam's razor, and then the last time we saw him, he went to a place that could probably have taken it, which would probably have taken him to Madiri. Or maybe he's already been there. Maybe he had no reason to want to bring the whole thing down. Maybe he okay. just wanted to kill the others, and when the others figured out what was happening, he had to send down the other troops to kill them because the original plan didn't work. True. But then again, the problem is, why did Madiri not kill Farmer? 
Yeah, maybe that's not where he ended up, though. I don't think that is where the portal took him. I think the portal took him somewhere else where he could, pot- could potentially have had sight of more of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Or, but yeah, maybe he solved it. Maybe he did wake up there and he was not as susceptible and he just realized that he wasn't where he thought he was, wherever that was. Yeah, maybe, maybe he solved it and put it back together. His dream was to find the original material. <laughs> <laughs> the first patho hub. Uh, I think there's a definitely a five doctors thing going on here because after the last issue, I only, after we did the last uh, podcast, I only realized there was a direct steal from the five doctors in that in that uh, in that story as they're going through the dark tower visions of the Doctor's old friends, basically the actors they can only get for a day, turn up to discourage him going forward. And where the second Doctor sees Jamie and Zoe, and they say, don't go on, come on, let's go back. It's uh, a previous memory wipe that is what gives it away that it's their fake to him. I hope you, because of that time your memories are wiped, you shouldn't know this, therefore this is all fake, which is very like, a flipped version of that Skids Nautica thing uh, that we had last issue. And in The Five Doctors, you've got the former Gallifreyan Chief Justice-type character who wants to get into um, Death Zone to find immortality. Uh, but because it's got all these defences and traps, including the hallucinatory ones, he uses Time Scoop to grab Five Doctors Who and send them in so they can turn it off for him without realising that's what he wants them to do. And I think that's what's happening here. There is that two sides of there's a Madeira field doing its thing, whether as an intentional defence or something or not. And then there's Farmer and Tyrex who have possibly tried it first with some of the Lost Light crew because that didn't get there first. And when that failed, they grabbed Rodimus uh, Skip and set that up. So maybe throw it into orbit and grabbed and see what they would do next. And if it hadn't worked, maybe they'd have gone on grabbing any other passing Transformers mm. to throw in it. So the Circle of Light. Mm. Oh, yes. They, they were a group of Transformers who got thrown at it. There's a lot more like him, Notka says. We assume she means more of the Circle of Light. So last time we saw those guys was back in Luna 1. Mm-hmm. In, in the Skids, uh, Skids issue, where they said, we're going to go off and we're going to find Thunderclash and team up with him to find Cyber Utopia. And clearly, they found Cyber Utopia by themselves, as well as, well as he made it. <laughs> okay. He uh, acts specifically, at least, doesn't seem to be missing a spark. Or at least he doesn't seem to have been ripped violently from his body. Oh, hang on. Let me see. Yeah, this is this is kind of the part of the issue that gets the shortest shrift, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it might be that uh, it depends what sort of death hallucination you're having, how you actually die. Because they're very expecting their spark to ascend. Uh, yeah. Okay, yes. I'm seeing that panel of Spinister carrying him in. But I'm not sure why they bring his dead body with them. Yeah. To make an entrance, apparently. <laughs> if they could have said, oh, there's a load of dead bodies down there. Maybe took a photo of one of them. Maybe he just wouldn't put it down. (laughs) Here's the proof. (laughs) It just happened to be Drift's bestest friend ever. (laughs) Oh, God. Mm, So, yeah, I think they they clearly found Cyber Utopia. What they saw was Cyber Utopia. 
So those guys found it. How? Santa Claus is with the Lost Light crew. Yeah, I guess they were lured there the same way they were. And I guess presumably the same way Thunderclash mm. was being lured there. Okay. Here's the thing. Mm. Thunderclash was deathly ill when he was hallucinating. Mm-hmm. And he ah. saw in his dreams a path to a euthanasia clinic. Yeah, that's interesting. He's the only one who's been having these visions without... Oh, he did He did hold the Matrix. <sighs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, he held the... Okay, he did hold the Matrix. Yes, that's established. But he also had personality ticks on board. Oh, we can't just bring everything back to personality ticks on. Oh, <laughs> God damn you, James. <laughs> like, you when, were right when last did he come up with that map? something... He comes up with that map while he's ill... With personality ticks, yeah, isn't he? he does. Personality ticks who are psychic, and one of which is is, is locked up in is being made to power this. Okay. I told you guys that we're behind everything. Elizabeth, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to the room and I'll have a chair swivel round. Yeah, I bet you were never expected to see us again. I bet all this no, time Captain, James has just been sat there like quietly <laughs> laughing to himself. <laughs> Give them a funny name, then make them un- make you underestimate them. Um, I am actually the grand architect. <laughs> personality tick is just a nickname. <laughs> but yeah, maybe you could have tapped into some kind of uh, personality tick collective consciousness. Dear God, my brain hurts. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm taking the backstory about cyber utopia and the knights going there and. Even though some of it doesn't really make any sense as we have now deconstructed, I'm taking that at face value because you get like two or three pages of exposition mm. about that. And that seems a lot if they're going to go to a couple of issues. Actually, none of that's true. Here's what really happened. So that, that part I'm, I'm taking at face value. But everything else was happening uh, since the nights all night. That's a bit more up for grabs and... Uh, Hmm. Serious. Hmm. Tom, you mentioned something offline that was interesting. What happened to the Spark Eater gun? Oh, jeez. Well, Wall had it, didn't he? He was uh, making people into Spark Eaters back in the distant past. But presumably he left it in Brainstorm's yeah. lab or in his room. Did, it's, uh, uh, it's on board the Lost Light. Get away, grab the wrong gun at some point. Thinking it was a nudge gun. <laughs> Just turn everybody into Sparkator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what this last panel said to me was that stuff stuff was already quite ugly on the last light. Mm. But I think maybe... Because what, what we're seeing here, apart from mainframe, there's a, a silhouette. I don't think it's supposed to be anybody, but it looks a bit like Atomizer. Um, but, okay, we've got Hoist, Perceptor, and Hound, who are the most... Sympathetic. Uh, is that mainframe as well? Yeah, well, apart from mainframe, he's not sympathetic. Oh, okay. I think... he's, he's not sympathetic. No, no, he was, You're he was, full he of harshness today. For the longest time. He, mm. he did one thing to save... Uh, who did he save? Nautica. Mm. But otherwise, he's kind of a baddie. But 
uh, maybe he swaps sides, but it looks. But I think with Hoist, with the the, the prominence of Hoist, Perceptor, and Hound, you can say that maybe they made a move on Getaway, hmm. and this is how Getaway responded, okay. by zapping them all. And maybe it was the only thing he had at hand. I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure explosions will be forthcoming. I believe the spark thing is still relevant. The fact that there's so much about extracting sparks and using sparks and needing sparks for things. Mm, absolutely. I, mean, I take it none of us think Nightbeat and Ted are actually dead, oh, dead. Yeah, I think they'll end Did, uh, up in um, uh, babies. I think they'll be baby, <laughs> baby girl Nightbeat, baby girl Ted. <gasps> oh. That could they all become humans at the end of the series. Uh, for, uh, they have to start their lives they over. They've to a Transformers convention in Birmingham and they got to come up with a fun <laughs> costume. Um, yeah, there's, there's also the Magnificence knows how to bring people back to life once they've lost their spark. It was the Rhesus Cradle. Like, it's done, it's, you know, it, it's primed, it knows, it knows the answer. Hmm. It would be, would it be though not, a, mm, is it not a bit of a stretch? I mean, we know that having a spark ripped from your body violently is like a, a sure way to die. Lug was all right. She, well, she wasn't all right. She was just like, yeah, they cheated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we have at least three, some more plausible than other ways that we can have Nightbeat back. Night beaten ten back for the for the for the last page. But so, so at this point, uh, anything goes in terms of actually killing characters. We've only got seven more chances well, also, to see any of them. Um, you know, is per- is Perceptor and Hound, uh, Perceptor Hound and Hoist are they dead? It seems like becoming a spark eater is a sort of a one way street. I can imagine a great big massacre, and then uh, a nice reversal. We are so close to the end that if there was no reversal, which would have been like this big gesture, happy ending, right? If there Mm. was, because we're so close to the end now, that if that didn't happen, I think it's just, it's equally plausible that it doesn't happen than it does, put it that way. Yes. Um, Yeah, I I, I accept. Um, Just that Roberts doesn't kill that many people. I know, but... (laughs) Well, I, but I imagine, a, well, again, we've already seen a preview of the next issue, so uh, I, I would think at some point, if not the next issue, maybe the one after that, we're going to get another Lost Light focus issue showing how it led to this point for Hoist and the others, or make it clear whether they'll ever be coming back from it or not, whether it feels like they're sort of the last ever appearance before being mm. turned into monsters or not. Uh but yeah, it's, it's, it's all to play for. Anything, anything could happen. I mean, uh, we've already had one person get better for being uh, being hey, dead. Target, and we still reckon someone uh, warrant him out of the uh, the the grave, the pit, whatever he was in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And yeah, that all still fits. Okay, and it could well have been someone with a grudge against Tailgate, who is everyone. <laughs> I must admit I was a bit underwhelmed by uh, by this part, as nice as it was to see Cyclonus actually uh, say it at last, because it just felt very like uh, the end of Slaughterhouse. 
with the, the second rewind, where it's, oh, and if you do this, yeah. you're going to vanish. And, oh, no, you're here. Mm. You're back permanently. Way. <laughs> We've not had an answer to that. Oh. Or why the suitcase survived. I was only seven more chances for that. Yeah, it definitely felt like the same tool from the toolbox mm. being used. It's perfectly fine, but you feel like we've been there before. Yeah, I do like the addition of, of the fact that Tailgate isn't fading away and that he is real, but he uh, is, yeah, like Croc, willing to accept that maybe he's, uh, he's, uh, he's at fault here. <laughs> or they're willing to accept that there's, there's another... Well, he, he acts like you can feel it starts to happen at one point yeah, as well, well the hypochondriac. Yeah, no is, in, um, is in place here. It's, um... it's poor old James. He must have written this months ago, but it's hard to read it now while thinking of the end of Infinity War. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. <laughs> Tailgate is almost... Oh, I won't ruin it for you, then, Tom, but uh, Tailgate apart from that, I just have. I hear it's got a lot of characters. It'd be nice to have Tailgate. Yes, Tailgate turns up at the end. Turns out Disney owned Tailgate, but no other Transformers, <laughs> so they put him in it. Um, yeah, well, it's, you know, the the main thing on this scene is that it's very, very well drawn. And just kind of the the language of it is incredibly effective, even just down to the when he's sort of hugging Tailgate. It kind of, it kind of looks like he has vanished. Yeah, and I when thought I was that. Reading and I was reading that, yeah, I kind of like, oh, wait, maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe they just disappeared him. And then that kind of combined with Rodimus and Misfire just turning up like, hey, we figured it all out. And Whirl snapping. Yeah, well, Whirl gets the best bit there, actually. Yeah, yes, such a good panel, just kind of reading it from left to right. Combined with that panel next to it, you've got the two of them in close up. And then as you sort of scan over, you've got Velocity, you've got Swirls with his hand over his mouth. You've got them hugging. It looks like Tailgate's gone, thanks to the, thanks to the line work and the, uh, and the colouring. He's, he's sort of shaded behind him. You, the Tailgate's blue is sort of desaturated down, so it kind of looks like Cyclonus is purple. And then just in the negative space described between Cyclonus's wing and his... Uh, shin is, is hip guard you've got this funny situation happening you, you just see enough of Rodimus that you see his body language, you see his grin and the fact that Misfire's next to him, you're kind of primed to accept that this is a humorous beat and the overlapping speech panel with World and the little kind of um, I don't know what you call those but the kind of uh, expressive lines coming out of his beak mm. not now it's yeah there's a lot of emotions playing out over the top third of that page and then of course when you re-look at it you see the tailgate is actually there um it's, it's just cleverly hidden in the design you got like got, just you just got so much detail on cyclonus's like thruster bits which are actually usually de-emphasized but kind of drawing them in sort of full size with all those kind of shading lines on it, it really bends the eye away from what you're seeing there with Tailgate. It's great. It's masterful. Hey, we work around saying something good about the art. Hey! And then the page turn, the big question mark, Tailgate's eyes all swelled up um, after getting this moment out of whirl. 
uh, yeah, it, it's it's incredibly well executed. I don't mind really that it's uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's kind of the same trick as with rewind. We we grew up with Simon Furman, didn't we, Tom? So we used to writers as we talk the same ideas over and over and over. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's nice to see. You know, we've talked about how it seemed that issue. I forget which issue it was. Forty-seven. I don't know the one where um, issue of Mother Meets the Eye where. Um, Psychonis goes down in a hail of gunfire, cradling tailgate. That was kind of the end point of their relationship, and this kind of feels like a, a sort of a, a second album. But I don't know. This the, the way this is executed makes me feel that um, you know, there was something more. There was something worthwhile more to come from this story. There's there was more to be mined from it, and we got it. We got this precious metal. <laughs> but, but not for much longer. We may get to see a wedding. Oh man, Cyclonus's wedding! I think it has, it has to end with a wedding episode. <laughs> oh my god! That's... Oh, I don't think they haven't considered this. So, Six-part crucible story, a wedding, uh, a wedding married. finale with hilarity and just oh, are we going to be late? Who's going to give a best man speech? Might be one on crutches. Oh, oh, I feel bad. <laughs> it must be because I watched it recently. Uh, but now I can't stop thinking, um, well, as Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> because there was a wedding episode there very recently. Ah, I haven't seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, what, you the... guys, you have to. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine, do you know what it is, though, Tom? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of people have commented on the similarities between the characters in uh, Modern Mitzia and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Although they keep shifting, I have to say. Uh, so I don't think I had a world so far. If there was a world, I think it would have been Gina before now. But um, yeah, in this relationship, I think uh, Boyle is very much well, and Cyclonus is Jake, and Telgit is... God, I forgot her name now. Santiago. Anyway, I'll, uh, if you've watched it, you know what I mean. If you haven't watched it, there's literally no point in me talking about it. Okay. That, that, nev- that never stops me making <laughs> obscure TV analogies, Marion. Join the club. Uh, but I think James retweets a lot of those Brooklyn Nine-Nine comparisons as well, mainly in the hope it'll stop people comparing it to Red Dwarf. It's his goal in life. maybe time to acknowledge that James may have more than one influence. Never. <laughs> You want to have him in this box? We've come up with several today. You should be very happy that we've, we've said he doesn't have a single original idea, but they're just all taken from different sources rather than just the one. He, puts, he has to watch a lot of TV to get everything, not just one box set. And we applaud his work and effort. So what do we think about this issue overall, then? Um, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, there's no shortage of... of um, of lovely moments. Um, there's a lot of satisfying. I think I'm, I really admire the cleverness of the the big reveal, and my mind is really racing on trying to figure out this whole, you know, what's been happening, what's been up with the knights, the uh, those who have ascended, the Amiga Guardians, the Magnificence, all those bits. I really like shuffling them around in my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, nobody feels 
out of character. Nobody's um, there's there's not a foot wrong here. Um, I think the art team is firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, sort of the interplay between the coloring, setting mood, and distinguishing between all these different locations we've got. I think the acting in it is very good, and the um, the way the panels are constructed to give the mood, um, I think also you know really really serves. Oh, I'm going to be a little contrary to you, Tom. It's certainly not a bad issue, but it is a transitional issue. It's a lot of exposition, a lot of setup. It's it's not really free of a free part finale. It's part ten of a temp-art finale, and I think the, the difference between story titles is slightly arbitrary. And if you're approaching this part three of a temp-art story, it's a perfectly fine moving pieces into place for the next part issue. It's a, sort of, it's a necessary issue, but it didn't quite uh, grab me as tightly as some of the last few. Uh, a couple of bits didn't quite work for me, like... Uh, the Amiga Guardians and uh, characters just popping up after being missing for two issues at explanation. Uh, I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff to like, but I think it's very much part of a whole rather than its own thing. And I, I think, I think my, my love had maybe how it was sold as well because the solicitation was this is a never will be the same again issue. And, uh, but the initial reviews, a lot of people say that every word of a solicitation is true, and I didn't feel that from uh, the actual issue. So it probably, it probably seemed a bit better in retrospect with a bit of distance from that as well. I mean, the solicitation mentioned a big betrayal, which I didn't spot happening in the issue. It mentions which a grave betrayal. A betrayal. No, grave betrayal. That was just a pun. Of the grave. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually like it even less now. <laughs> But yeah, it, it, that sounds all very negative, but uh, but it's it's not a bad issue. It's just as it gets in there, does what it needs to do to set up the next next phase. I I'm I'm sort of with you, sort of with you, Stuart. Like I didn't think this gave us all the answers, but I'm happy with the amount of answers that it gave us. I don't think it's resolved the series, but there are still another eight issues to go. So that's fair enough, really. I mean, if we had all the answers now and we were starting on a brand new arc, it would have been a bit weird at this stage. Um, I like kind of the... I liked a lot of the resolutions that we got here. I have to say I am not a big fan of the Cyclones and Tailgate moment, however. Um, But that's a personal preference because I'm just... I'm not a big fan of, like, really sappy moments. And it felt like it was like a very full-on, I love you, don't go kind of thing that just kind of leaves me a bit indifferent. I'm happy for the characters, though. I think they, they deserve it. They've been through a lot, those guys. I liked a lot the way that the spark eaters were drawn at the end. They had a bit of that nightmarish kind of Nick Roach spotlight cup look to them, which was very nice. The colors throughout, I commented earlier on them, were very good. Um and yeah, I'm uh, I'm 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 in for the final stretch and a little bit sad but also a little bit excited to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have three slightly different opinions this week, Vernet. We're all looking at the wall and oh, seeing different things upon it. Wow. 
isn't that what life isn't that what the universe is really and we get right down no because we've all evolved to see similar things hmm. so that we can survive in a world let's <laughs> <laughs> kill that man okay so uh we hope to give this up and review an issue every couple of weeks or whatever the schedule ends up being and then release that issue to you guys that episode a review of that issue uh before the next one comes out Mm-hmm. We are we are going to do our very best to keep this going. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Indeed, uh, we might even look at some of the other books <laughs> before the end. <laughs> Telling you guys, ready? Other right. Transformers books. <laughs> um, we'll we'll see um, how much uh, sleep we can do without. Uh, I think we'll we'll talk about Unicorn, won't we? Exactly. Yeah, I suppose. Big... I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Big thing in the middle, of, a big crusher destroyed all our hopes and dreams. <laughs> um, you can, as always, find us on the TF Archive website where you can download all of our previous episodes and new episodes. Um, this includes interviews with creators uh, James Roberts and uh, Nick Roach are on there. And um, we are preparing a special episode before this continuity ends, uh, which will tell you more about uh, perhaps after TF Nation. Uh, speaking of TF Nation, two of us will be there. Myself and Stuart will be there. Unfortunately, Tom can join us. Um, but as always, uh, he will be in our thoughts. Not mine. I, I would be thinking of other things. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's left a strong legacy. Uh, now it's become a thing that we play card games whenever uh, Transformers fans get together. So um, it's, a, it's a good contribution. Um, what else? What else? You can find the podcast on iTunes. Um, you can listen to it there. You can rate us on there. We are in other places as well. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't checked which places those are, but I know that people get to listen to us from different types of services and apps. Perhaps one day, one of us will actually go out there and find out what all those services and apps are and, and tell you for sure. Uh, but this day is not today. Um, Tom. Is there anything else <laughs> you would like to add um, about where people can find you? Find me? Well, um, you can find the works done by uh, my production company, Red Button Audio. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RedBAudio. Right now, we're uh, running audio drama workshops uh, in a school here in Brighton. Um, and you can find our audio drama the saga of the european king uh by looking at that in your podcasting software whatever whatever you're listening to this on um you can either find the rss feed you can find it on itunes find it on Podchaser. that's a good one Podchaser and um stitcher uh and elsewhere out in the ether um it's good it's a good show the saga of the european king um there's more of that coming quite soon Stuart. How about you? Well, I am at Inflatable Dalek on uh, on Twitter, and I am still, still, eternally doing transformation at the, the Solar Pool websites, going through each issue of Marvel UK Transformers comic. Currently in the midst of what was intended to be the final story uh, before it got unexpectedly renewed. Uh, well, 
well, whatever it is you call this in comics, that's a TV term, <laughs> uh, to carry on for a bit. It's all about finales at the moment, all about uh, big endings and dramatic endings. And uh, if you want to know what Brainstorm tastes like, uh, check out my look at issue 319 that is uh, currently up this week. It'll uh, Unicorn likes the taste of him. And there's something for you to ship before the end of, uh, of the series. And if you're in London at any weekend in the next month and you see me on the streets looking lost and confused because of my awkwardly staged multiple trips to London over the next month, uh, give me a pass on the head and maybe a bottle of water and point me in the right direction. Excellent. <laughs> Please look after Stuart if you come across him. That goes for not, not just not just in the coming weeks, anytime. <laughs> You've got a responsibility now. Listeners, speaking of, uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter as Podcast Maximus. Please come and chat to us. A few people lately have been giving us their views on some of our theories and chipping in and sort of saying that they enjoy listening to us speculate wildly, even if frequently incorrectly. Um, we're glad that you enjoy our rumblings and uh, let us know what yours would have been had you been here chatting with us. We'll be out with our next episode, as we mentioned, pretty soon. And until then, bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>